One day I will be a scientist. Welcome to Material, a show about the Google and Android universe hosted on the Relay of Fun Network. This episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. I'm one of your hosts, Yasmin Evian, and joining me as always, my wonderful co-host, Russell Ivanovich. Hello. And Andy Anako. Why did you introduce Russell first? <laughs> you know, I'm sure Andy, your your name starts with an A, and it's always first. I wanted to give Russell with a you know he starts with an R. It's probably late. He always has to line up last. So I figured, you know, let's give up that. He is, let's he, give he is twelve thing. hours ahead of us. So, <laughs> so yeah, that is true. He lives in the future. <laughs> he he does live in I, the I've future. I've been sitting here for what eighteen hours waiting to be introduced. I'm like, well, Yasmin's <laughs> going to ask any minute now. I'm just going to sit here patiently. <laughs> And we are super excited because we finally got our Material Podcast t-shirts. Woo! We actually produce well, we some material. Well, yes, we don't we don't actually have them, but you can actually purchase them at teespring.com forward slash material podcast. That was not a plug, I promise. <laughs> no, but there, was, there will be many more we, during the show. We, 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 we wet our beaks in each one of these things. So if, if you want to go buy t-shirts, we're, we're not going to be a, an obstruction in that. So it's really it's a really fun design. Um, we androidified ourselves. So you have me, Andy, and Russell all as little android characters, and so uh, it's pretty fun. You should go check it out. And we have a women's and men's uh, shirt option. So either one of you can find a shirt that hopefully fits. Uh, and, and before you complain be that the women's shirt is pink, I just want to say that Yasmin chose that. And I know she doesn't speak for all women, but in this in this podcast, she kind of does, and that's that's the color she picked. So. You know, you can complain to Yasmin about that one. You know what's funny? I'm usually not a person to wear pink. I don't think there's anything wrong with the color pink. I think it's fine. But, you know, it's usually traditional, like, oh, women like pink color, wear that color. And I'm not all for that. I'm, you know, whatever color you want to wear. But I saw it's called, like, pink raspberry on the Teespring. And I was like, I absolutely love that color. And it was actually Andy who suggested it. It was like, we should get some bright colors, pink and and some green. I I was lobbying pink for men's shirts. If- they don't, but they don't have any. Exactly. Which is, yes, unfortunate. <laughs> so, like, so I don't know if you. That's that. That's a very 1988 attitude for a t-shirt company to say we're not going to order pink shirts for men. It's yeah, especially for know, a t-shirt company that makes t-shirts to order. So the way Teespring works is you get a certain amount of minimum orders, then they they do the production run. You'd think they'd be able to supply with whatever color they want. You know, if they don't get ordered, then they don't have to get them in but we should also say Yasmin that for anyone who um, supports this show or supports um, Relay FM through the what are those things called these all the great shows memberships yeah the memberships the all the great shows um, as part of the newsletter that goes out to those people there will be a discount code for t-shirts so you don't you don't go home empty-handed if you've handed over your hard-earned material to us we'll hand some back to you we've got your back literally (laughs) We're on, so, so regardless we're on your if back. you're a material supporter or all the great shows uh, relay supporter, you will be able to get a discount, which is pretty cool. I know a lot of you have been asking for that, so we're excited. Well, I got a cool new computer, and it was one that I could have actually afforded to buy myself, which is always kills me. See, I, I want help on the thousand dollar tablets, not on the thirty five dollar Raspberry Pi three. Uh, fortunately, it's cheap enough that I can, you know, I don't have to send it back. I can say, you're not going to buy me for $35. <laughs> I hope people believe me <laughs> when I say 40, that. 30, if not 45 I have, I, as I'm fond of saying, I, I have a price, but it's not $35. <laughs> if, 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 if I never have to work another day in my life, I'll write or say whatever you want about any product. And I, 
my my immigrant grandfather would be patting me on the back instead of hitting me with a rake, saying, you turned down $10 million just to write 800 words about how awesome Windows XP was. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but legitimately, I'm super excited about Raspberry Pi 3. I've had it for like a few weeks now. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you've heard of it. This is the, it was originally designed a few years ago as like the ultimate educational computer. Like how simple can we make a computer so that the price is almost trivial and so that every kid can have one and have one bought for them. Uh, and it's just an amazing Linux computer that it's, I guess, 35 bucks. It's about the size of a playing card. And I mean, this, the thing is like, it's just unbelievable where it has four USB ports, uh, my physical USB ports. It has an Ethernet port. It has an, an HDMI port on it. So Again, you can, my yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know it's exactly. You don't, you don't need a dongle. It has, it has twice as many uh, USB ports as a MacBook, and it also has a USB <laughs> port. Uh, that's that's amazing. Oh, also has composite out, composite video out. So it's 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 got it's got a lot of things. Also, how many how many of these could you buy for one MacBook? I thought, what's what's thirteen hundred dollars divided by thirty five? I don't want to think about it. You can totally walk about it. It just makes me sad. Yeah. So what have and, you done with it so far, Andy? Um, a, a, a lot of cool, a lot of cool, a lot of the same stuff I have been doing with Raspberry Pi. It's the great thing about Pi is that you can make it into whatever you want it to be. So just by describing the ports, if you want to plug in a HDB, the same monitor I'm using with my Mac Mini and the same keyboard and the same mouse, uh, you can run Linux on it. It has a built-in SD card slot for for its boot drive, but it can boot off of uh, an external volume. So you can run regular Linux and use it as a Linux desktop. Uh, you can also uh, install the Chromium operating system and essentially turn it into a Chromebook sort of thing, but the, you know the open source version of a Chromebook. So you can run all the Google apps, you can run YouTube, you can run pretty much everything on it. Uh, I've uh, for a time I had one that was configured just as a media server. Uh, so when I would travel, I would have it in, in a nice case, and I would have a 128 gigabyte card in it that would have about like a dozen like Blu-ray rips on it. When I check into a hotel, I would just, I would just plug it into one of the HDMI inputs of the hotel uh, screen, uh, and just not even have to worry about making a Wi-Fi connection to whatever or uh, keeping keeping a, a, a streaming dongle. It was just I will just have like a, my own VCR uh, plugged in there. The uh, the version what they did with the new Raspberry Pi 3 is uh, for the first time they have Bluetooth and Wi-Fi built in. One of the reasons why this has four USB ports is that to make sure they could sell this for $35, they would cut every corner that they think they didn't absolutely need. So given that you can buy a little tiny like thumb-sized uh, Wi-Fi and uh, Bluetooth radios and plug them into the USB ports, that's fine. But now it doesn't eat up any of those ports. It's all inboard. Uh, they've also increased the speed of the CPU. Uh, they say it's 10 times faster than the original Raspberry Pi. It's maybe about a third faster or double fast as the previous Pi, which also costs $35. And uh, that's for me. That's just enough to make it a credible desktop computer. Obviously, you're not going to want to buy this instead of a MacBook. You're not going to want to even buy this instead of a hundred dollar uh, Windows 10 box. But this is now fast enough that when you when you alt tab between apps, it uh, it happens really really fast. When you're loading a the the web used to be the big Achilles heel of Raspberry Pi, where there was a third party browser that was designed specifically to run on this Broadcom mobile processor uh, that's on this device. Uh, and it 
runs it loads web pages if it's a site like the verge though that has like a kajillion scripts oh, on it yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> that one can't even run on my 6p yeah. so i, I don't, can't expect it much i mean amazing it was it was as so as a web browser the the previous editions were only useful for like old people like me trying to explain to teenagers this is what the web used to be like on a on a, on a dial-up modem I know that I know that you've never seen you ever seen this before. So stand back as you see how quick how how slowly these images actually load in uh, and actually appear. Now it's fast enough that it's certainly competent, uh, and that's on top. Of, that's only if you want to use it as an you know, as a desktop type computer. Uh, the other cool thing about Pi in general is that you have this this strip of like raw header pins, so that no matter what piece of hardware you want to build for it, you can just build hardware for it, whether it's an LED that turns on or off or a, a sensor array or whether you want to do a counter or whether you want to make an interface to a doll or, or a robot. It's like it is educational in that it's not just for running Google Docs. It's for learning how to program and learning how to build. Now, does it come with Chromium installed? No. Or did you have to do that? You have to install it yourself. And a lot of it is you, you're going to have to you're going to have to get a little bit uh, familiar with how terminal works if you've never used uh, terminal apps. Uh, you can uh, what you the, the steps the, the, when you get it out of the box, uh, of course, it does nothing. But you prepare a mini micro SD card. That's going to be your boot volume. You just download what is essentially the the run me first uh, sort of environment. And once you prepare this uh, this SD card the way that the instructions say and you boot it up, uh, it will just give you a menu of, okay, what do you want to do with this, essentially? And if you want to, do you want to run create this as a desktop? Great. If you want to use this as uh, a media PC? Great. If you want to use this as an educational computer? Great. It will download the correct uh, builds and the correct version of, uh, uh, of Debian Linux for you or the correct environments for you. And then even after that, uh, it does have a your, your usual like Linux style. You just get apps by uh, cl clicking a couple buttons, and it automatically installs and configures itself. There are some things like Chromium. For some reason, it's not in the regular depository, so you do have to do a little command line kung fu to get it in there. But once again, that's just finding the correct information page and doing what it tells you on that thing. Copying and pasting. Yeah, and that's I mean that's that's the remarkable thing too. I mean, I'm not I'm not inexperienced with electronics, but I'm I easily get in over my head because I'm self-taught. Uh but uh if I had this I, I had this idea uh that I, I actually have it like near me. Hang on. We're speaking about the nostalgia of modems. And so I thought, you know, I, I have this nostalgic sort of connection hey, to like my classic, my classic Hayes robotics modem because I would like, uh, you know, my my first apartment, of course, like I'm sleeping in the same room that my, my computers are. I'm basically like sleeping wherever there isn't room for my computer equipment. And I would look over and see, look for a sequence of like winking lights that would tell me, okay, the download that I started last night is still going. It hasn't terminated. If I saw like two two LEDs on the left and one on the right, like, ah, oh, damn, why did, it, why did it lose the connection? <laughs> and so my idea is I want to like build a, uh, th this is going to be the housing for a Raspberry Pi. So it'll, uh, through the Wi-Fi, this will be like a web server and it'll be like home automation. But the other cool thing is I'm building in a set of lights so that the Pi will control that first bank of lights and through flashing red LEDs, tell me things about the network and tell me things about the world outside. Uh, and 
I'm thinking that, well, I, I know LEDs, but I, boy, I wish I could do like tricolor LEDs. I wish I could do other things like that, but I'll have to learn how those work. But you just go to adafruit.com and they will not only sell you the module you need that is all pre-configured for just a, a, a component that's a strip of LEDs that can be addressable individually uh, and uh, whatever color you want. But also here is the Raspberry Pi library software library you'll have to install in order to control it via python and here is also some examples of what, I've, what other people have done for it so if you want to like build a robot here's how you drive a stepper motor with raspberry pi or with uh, or with uh, any of these other microcontrollers so 35 bucks and if, and even if you do blow it up you got that's you got another 35 bucks you can, <laughs> yeah, you can exactly. handle that but this this is this is a such a great new release this new 35 dollar of raspberry pi 3 because at 35 bucks it really is oh what the hell why not You'll buy it, and then you'll do nothing with it for a few months, and then you'll remember that you have it, and then for fun, you'll see what you can do with it. And then you're – like me, you're buying like more of them because you've built stuff. You've I have a couple of projects where like I've built stuff with Raspberry Pi, and they're cool. It was just screwing around, but then whatever I built was cool enough that I don't want to have to take that apart to build this next thing. Oh, okay, let's, let's order another Raspberry Pi. Yeah, and I just think about what that means for schools that maybe have lower income that don't have the ability to kind of, you know, buy technology or computers uh, for a lot of their students. And just like for $35, of course, you're going to have to buy a keyboard and all that stuff to kind of build around. But just giving the the kids the ability to um, expand and explore with technology and that. And of course, $35, If like you said, if you blow it up, it's not going to be so bad. And so that's that's uh, that's really really cool. Yeah. And you and you were saying that it runs uh, Google Apps on there. Yeah, I mean even if you don't have Chromium as its boot OS, uh, it'll uh, it'll run Google Apps in the web browser. So even as just not, uh, uh, I'm a lot of us are lucky in that when we were done with a laptop, we buy a new laptop and we can we sell the old one or we we have to we give it away to someone else. Uh, not everybody is in a lucky position where. They can have a. It would be convenient to have a second PC in the house just for the kids to do homework on. But you go to the you, you go to the the recycling depot in your town. There's people who are throwing out <laughs> 720p TVs that work fine. They just don't <laughs> want them anymore. And just go pick up pick out a keyboard and mouse from the pile. You know, you may spray spray it down with Lysol if you need to. But <laughs> yeah. or even most people in, in their houses, they'll have like an old keyboard or something. And the ability to run a really nice, studly, modern Chromium. OS on this if you want uh it's again it's just remarkable it's a, uh it's I, I i going back getting back to nostalgia I, I love one of the reasons why i'm so excited about it is that uh, the apple II was the last time i was using a computer that i felt like i understand everything that's going on inside this machine i can create anything i want to for this computer i can build anything i want for this computer and you now i have now my my day-to-day -day macbook it's sealed up and the company doesn't even want me to get inside this. Even if I could get inside this, I don't have the sort of, I don't have the $80 billion fab network that is only available in China that could actually take components off and put it on again. Uh, so, I mean, just, and the, the, the fact that uh, Google has made software that runs fine on this machine uh, is another testament to their idea that no matter where you are, we will reach you, we will find you, we'll get your person. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No matter what you're running, we're we're going to support you and give you wonderful free <laughs> That is really cool. I'm going to have to go check it out because I remember when the first one came out, I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. And then there was the second version. And this third version, I think I might finally have to get on board after all this time, especially because 
yeah, I'm, I'm not great at soldering things. I'm not great at putting electronics together, but I understand programming and understand how to click things in. So, you know, <laughs> you plug those two things in together and, and you've got something. So speaking of programming and developing and all things design and that kind of thing, Google I.O. registration open today. Um, not a lot to say about that except that it go. If, if you're listening to this show now, you probably only have like a, a day or so left. And this year, like we talked about before, it's going to be Mountain View. So it should be interesting to see... You know how the conference is different. Normally, it's at Moscone West, is that what it's called? And this year, it's going to be at Mountain View. So, yeah, really excited to see the kind of things that um, Google announced there. Yeah, I, I, I heard a rumor that they might have now shuttle buses running between San Francisco and Mountain View, so that you don't necessarily have to kip in the less exciting, shall we say, <laughs> Mountain View. Area. Yeah, I was asking <laughs> a um, a friend who works at Google. He's obviously been to Mountain View a lot, and I said you know, where where do you recommend that I stay? And he's like, well, if you've never stayed in Mountain View, you're probably not aware, but it's it's quite suburban. Like, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about there's no sort of fancy hotels there. I mean, there's a few sort of big chains, but it's more you're basically in suburbia. And so he was saying, look, if, if you're happy with that, you know, you can stay around there. A lot of things are, are far away, so you're not going to be walking distance from, you know, three bars and, like, four restaurants and, you know, 21 clothing stores. You're going to have to, like, go places. And then he's like, well, you can stay in San Francisco. But then, you know, at the time he said, look, I'm not sure. Is there going to be buses? Is there going to be what? But I have heard rumors since, not not from this guy, just from the, the general internet, that Google might be thinking about organizing a shuttle service. So nothing definite, but I, I believe they are sort of considering whether, you know, there's enough people that they can ferry from, you know, places like San Francisco to Mountain View. And that, that would be really cool because, I mean, you imagine hopping in like an Uber or something like that. I imagine it's probably like at least $100 to get to Mountain View and, and a one-hour drive. It's <laughs> it's probably not in everyone's budget to do that, you know, a few days in a row. And then you've got to come back as well. There's the Caltrain, I believe, which goes there. I don't know how yeah, direct I, that I, gets I use, there. I, I generally take Caltrain to get to, from San Francisco there. I, I've, I've yet to actually stay. When I've had, to, had meetings and events like in Cupertino, it's like I – Every time I look at what's available in Mountain View and I think I can either be there and have a good night's sleep and enjoy Mountain View or I can go I can stay in San Francisco, get up at 4:30 in the morning, catch the 5:10 train <laughs> to make sure that I get there on time <laughs> and every time it's been I'll get up super early if that means that I can be in San Francisco instead of my. It's not. It's not a bad place. It's just that if I if I'm spending already like a thousand dollars and like three days of my time to get from Boston, I, I I want to be able to see a really good museum with the with some weird stuff in it when when I'm not at my meeting. Yeah, uh, I'm. I don't know if I'm ready to add like the hour or hour and a half uh, extra that's needed for the commute to get to Google I/O because I remember I stayed in the city last year and I was able to just get in an Uber and you know get some Blue Bottle, get an Uber, and then ride into Google I/O, and it didn't take me more than like ten minutes. And I'm like, oh no, that means I'm going to get that much more less sleep or that much less <laughs> sleep, uh, which is something that I didn't know about I/O is that you don't actually sleep a whole lot. You don't get home until pretty late and then the conference starts you know early in the morning so yeah it's a i got sick afterwards i was like my body needs some rest <laughs> I, was, I was i was also trying i was also trying to work out that so if your options are possibly a google shuttle bus or uber 
particularly in San Francisco, what will get you more hated as an Uber patron or someone who's using the 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 first class, upper class, <laughs> oi polloi luxury <sighs> shuttle passing by the the homeless encampments and not paying for the for for stopping at these buses? I just be sure. I, I just make sure whatever you're wearing is sub, sub, substantially egg proof. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I did use some Lyft while I was there, not just Uber. I did Lyft. But, you know, how can you get mad at a pink mustache? A pink mustache on the front bumper. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You can't get mad. So, so <laughs> use Lyft. It will cause less of a scene. Yeah, I, I've gone crazy, as I mean, because I live in the future and uh, I'm hoping I get a, a ticket to I've already booked my flights and accommodation. So I'm staying <gasps> in San Francisco. Woo! Let's just hope you get a ticket. <laughs> so if there are any other listeners that uh, that are planning to come, let, let us know when you get your tickets and, and where you're staying. Maybe so we can avoid you or maybe so we can ride <laughs> together, you know, one one or the other. That, that's another great way to hedge your bets because if you're, if you're going to feel like you're going to have to like pre-book just to make sure you have a place to stay, what would be worse? Not getting a ticket and now having a week in Mountain View to look forward to or not getting a ticket and having a week-long vacation in San Francisco? <laughs> exactly. So I'm going no matter what. The flights are non-refundable. I believe the hotels around there are fully refundable. That's another tip. If if you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get a ticket or not, you can actually pre-book hotels with no money down and they let you cancel for, for no charges. Most of them, obviously check the website, but most of them will do that. You know, unless you book their super, super duper special rates, you'll be able to go and cancel if you don't get a ticket. Well, one thing that doesn't actually require a registration or an invite is Project Fi. They have now opened it. So now you can get Project Fi without requesting an invite. Um, and when I requested an invite, it actually, the, the process, I got like accepted within like 30 minutes, if that. So the process, I think toward the end of it wasn't even that, uh, wasn't that big of a wait but now you don't even have to wait for that you're automatically can sign up for project fi um project fi is only in the u.s i'm sorry our international listeners are you though yasmin are you really sorry i know because we're feeling well as you know that means russell doesn't get it and so part of me (laughs) has to celebrate i'm kidding i'm kidding take it it up with your queen Okay. Yeah. yeah. While while, while you're here for Google I.O., you may drink lustily from the heady draft of freedom and then raise high that big banner of revolution once you get back to Her Majesty's Shores. I did recently listen to the musical Hamilton that that you were talking about. I honestly had no idea what a Hamilton was. I've now learned about Alexander Hamilton. I love the musical, by the way, but it did put me in in the mood that, you know, I'm not going to miss my shot. I I need the Google Fiber (laughs) down here. Um, I need the Project Fire, so I'm going to come and... You know, lobby Google myself. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, I've definitely had good experiences with the service. Again, one of the issues is that sometimes text messaging, like two-factor authentication, doesn't work as well as properly. Um, but I hear they're working on it as much of a lot of things that Google says. Um, but one thing that I that I really do like, and we're actually doing this, is that you can get the five X or the six P um, at a like a you can pay monthly instead of it and it, it's no additional cost so you can get the the phone you don't have to pay up front for it because you do have to be using one of their approved phones in order to get it and i believe the only approved phones right now are the 5x the 6p and the nexus 6 um so i recommend anyone that if you're looking to switch providers that's definitely a good way to to go in there and look and you can also look at if it's going to be a lot cheaper um it's definitely a lot cheaper for our family because we're mostly on wi-fi most of the days and, you know, they give you money back for the data you don't use, which is always a plus, which is always enough to buy more than one burrito. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely looks like uh, the Nexus 5X, its status is as the, it's, 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 
it's like the football phone of the Nexus lineup. It's it's designed there to be dangled as a promotional, you know, sort of carrot. Uh, because if you buy a 5X through, I think, mid-April and you activate it with Project Fi, uh, you will get it for 199 bucks for 16 gig model and the 32 gig is wow. going to be 249. So that's that even kicks the butt of whatever Black Friday deal that I got that I thought was so wonderful. Oh. Uh, <laughs> not that you would... bitter, <laughs> You've been using it now for how long have you been using Fi? Uh, well, when so it was October, I think it was, I want to say November. I'm making that up. I have no idea. Okay. It's been well, a couple of months. Whatever you say, we'll, we'll trust you. We don't, we don't, it's been like five years now. It's been five years. But you're still digging it? <laughs> no, it's been, a, yeah, it's been a couple months. Um, yeah, I, I still really like the phone, and my husband and I haven't really had any issues. And he actually he went camping uh, recently. And he, where he usually doesn't get reception, he was actually able to text me. So we got better reception than we usually do. So here we go. So this episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. And now if you haven't heard us talking about Squarespace before, we're going to do a bit of a different ad because I know you probably hear Squarespace ads all the time. If you need to build a website or a blog or, you know, just a simple page somewhere on the internet, squarespace.com is where you need to go and also if you know anyone in your family or maybe someone that runs a small business that does it's it's honestly the best place they've got easy to use tools they've got templates um, you know they've got everything set up there they've got all the hosting all the support you know basically if you want to get a page on the internet you want to go to squarespace.com and I'm not even going to read all the, the normal ad copy here I just want you each and every one of you to to find someone in your lives or you know perhaps perhaps you've got a personal use for it to go and actually take you know, take advantage of that service. So again, they've got all the templates, all the responsive design, all the different things where you can just drag and drop things around, everything you need to to do to build yourself a website. And we've got some special offers for you as well. You know, you're a material listener, you should get special material treatment. So if you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name. So that'll, you know, let you choose names like Jane's Auto Parts, you know, .com. If you want that to be a domain name, boom, you can get that for free. And the cool thing about Squarespace plans is they start from just $8 a month. So if you've ever done any hosting on the internet, that is really, really cheap. You know, if you're trying to get a page on the internet, sometimes it can cost you that much without all the, the stuff that, you know, Squarespace provides. So you can start your trial today. No credit card required. Um, you just go to squarespace.com. Uh, when you decide to sign up, make sure you use the offer code MATERIAL. Hopefully you know how to spell that by now and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. And you'll also show your support for our show. So, you know, the people at Squarespace will be looking at it. They'll be like, ooh, more material listeners. Excellent. We're going to keep, you know, supporting their podcast. And we want to thank Squarespace for supporting our podcast and all of Relay FM. I'm also really excited today because it is International Women's Day. It is March 8th, we record on Tuesday, and it's probably like one of the best days so far because everyone is being really, really awesome. Like just seeing all my Twitter stream, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. Uh, one of our dear friends, Micah, who all, is also a part of uh, the Relay FM network, he's on Isometric, was tweeting out all the all the women that inspire him um, and he was writing really, really nice things about him. So like that was really cool. Um, so Micah, thank you and everyone else that was encouraging women throughout the day it it really um means a lot and it's like really just encouraging to be a part of that uh and with international women's day women tech makers every year has started hosting a women tech makers conference that they do that comes around international women's day which is pretty exciting i know that they had um locations all around the world. And in particular, I know they had like in New York and San Francisco conferences that they had over the weekend. And I hear that it is pretty awesome. I actually wasn't able to attend, but we have a special guest. Her name is Virginia Poltrack, and she was actually able to be there. And Virginia is 
one of, uh, she's an Android developer, but she's also a really awesome illustrator in that she's created probably some of the watch faces that you're wearing. Uh, her illustrations on the watch, Android watch faces are awesome and they're so beautiful that I love, I love to wear them. Um, and she's also done a lot of illustrations for women tech makers and other Google, Google things. So Virginia, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. I see. I didn't recognize you because you're not wearing your Google Glass right now. Right. I, I was throwing <laughs> you off. Sorry about that. <laughs> so I. So here's uh, some backstory. I met Virginia over at Google I/O um, 15 because we both went to Google I/O via Women Tech Makers, and I had seen her her illustrations for the watch faces, and she also did the illustrations for FitCat, which is one of our one of our favorite watch faces. Um, and I went up to her and I was like, hey, huge fan of your work. And of course, she was like really sweet and was like, oh, thank you. Like, who are you, random stranger? Because like, that was like a common theme that I was doing. Uh, and so we've been friends ever since. And I know from my experience, like Women Tech Makers has just really changed my life uh, by giving me the opportunity to go to Google I.O. I wouldn't have met Russell and through that Andy and been a part of the Relay FM network if if Women Tech Makers and Google I.O. didn't happen. So for that, Women Tech Makers, uh, thank you if you're listening. Like you, you really are making a lot of change in women and technology. But I want to ask Virginia. I want to know what was it like to be a part of the IWD, um, you know, 16 or WTM 16. I think was the hashtag for that. It was amazing, and also I totally agree with everything you just said about networking and meeting people and everyone being lovely and, and sort of feeling uh, a lot of gratitude towards women tech makers for that. I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, the event was amazing and it wasn't just sort of the setup or the details, um, although those things were lovely as well. But, uh, you know, Natalie Villalobos, who is in charge of the initiative, uh, is an amazing person. If you don't know her, I would encourage you to try and meet her because she is just wonderful. Um, and the whole team actually is awesome. But it was so inspiring to be there with all these women. And it was like when we met, right? I, I sort of felt like, oh, we're already friends. And it sort of felt that way the whole day with everybody, uh, which is awesome. Um, and And all of the talks were so inspiring to see women from like, you know, the CFO of Alphabet to women who had started their own companies, um, just talking about, you know, their experience and um, sort of being really encouraging. It was just amazing. Yeah. Is there anything that really stood out in terms of, of the whole weekend experience? Or actually tell us, how did you find out about the event or how did you get involved with Women Tech Makers? Um, so I actually met Natalie through some other people at Google. Um, and of course, she is lovely and we just sort of had been talking on um, a Slack channel. There's sort of a Women Tech Makers Slack channel. Um, and she asked me about doing some work, which I was wildly excited about. Like, yes, please, I would love that opportunity. And um, so sort of through that, I sort of got involved with them and started working with them. And um, yeah, I just knew about some of the events that they were having, and I figured, you know, I would I would love to go to Google for this event, and it just so happened that I got a ticket, which I'm really grateful for, um, because it was just an amazing day. And you went to the one in San Francisco, correct? Correct, at, at, at Mountain View. Mountain View, yeah. So you were you was it a part? Was it on Google Campus? 
It was on Google campus and it was sort well, and I feel bad because I think I brought the rain from Pennsylvania to California <laughs> um, because all the women there were like, oh, I'm from, you know, right around here, five minutes outside of Mountain View. And I was like, I'm from Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, yes, it's my fault that it's raining. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, but the whole event was lovely. And actually, I have to say the day went so fast. Like I got there at like nine o'clock in the morning. And the next time I looked at my watch, it was four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> I want to stay here forever. <laughs> was it like a typical conference? I, I saw some of the pictures that you tweeted out, including like your, you got your watch faces on the big screens. That was pretty awesome. Like I, I, one of the things I was, I was I, one of the things I, I was looking at your watch faces later on, and one of the things I liked about it was that even when you scale it out to humongous size, they look really pretty. It still rad. fits. Actually, this is a good um, segment to bring up Trish Wetzel. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She is uh, a developer who is awesome, and she actually took the Women Tech Makers logo and made a watch face. And I was helping her with some of the images and Play Store assets and stuff. So that actually was released today as well. So you should check that out. Side plug. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they had, there was a design sprint. There was um, a collab for progressive web apps. Uh, I was in the design sprint. That was awesome. We all got copies of um, the new book from the Google Ventures design team called Sprint about rapid prototyping, which was amazing. Um, yeah, the whole day I just felt like I'm so inspired and there's so many amazing women like working really hard right now to make things better and provide opportunities to people. And I think that was the biggest thing that struck me is that like there's a lot of people involved in this all over the world, like making a tremendous effort. And that was almost like overwhelming to sort of realize and think about. I'm just, I'm just totally – I'm really fascinated by uh... – what you're talking about, because I'm totally ignorant of what it would, what a what a, a a conference with that focus would be like, and how the vibe would be different. Because I've spent 30 or 40 years on this planet as a guy, <laughs> and so I can't I can't really appreciate it. So what, what's what's I mean, I'm sure you've been <laughs> you've worked in tech, so you've been to a lot of like you know male dominated conferences. How, how was the vibe different? Like, is it is it was it uh, was it the size of this of the show that made it different, or was it the makeup of the show? I think it was both. Um, I should have a rough estimate of how many women were there, and I don't, but I felt like... So So let me use the design sprint that I was in as an example. Um, it was really um, lovely to see that everybody sort of had their turn speaking their piece and sharing their opinion and giving their ideas, and it wasn't sort of like one person you know, took over and was sort of bossing everyone else around or, you know, nobody was made to feel uncomfortable or nobody, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like I, it, it, it definitely was different than say, you know, being at a event full of men and women. Um, I, it, I think it was a little bit more relaxed and everybody felt very comfortable just sort of speaking their mind and not having to preface it with like, I'm sorry, or maybe this is a stupid question or, you know, anything like that. Like people just spoke their mind and, and really had a good time. And I remember so vividly when we were talking about women tech makers um, with, uh, through the Slack channel, because there, there's a Slack channel. And one of the things that Natalie Villalobos, who put together uh, a lot of the women tech makers uh, projects, is that she made a comment about Google I.O. last year, and she said she wanted to make the conference make us feel 
like the conference was made for us. And that was in particular for women. And that thing really stood out because she was going through the lengths of, you know, providing um, some things that women may need in the restrooms, you know, you know, <laughs> stacking up the, the restrooms or, you know, having other things that we as women need or, you know, I think even childcare and getting rid of all, or, or providing a lot of those things. And it really... It was, it, you can really tell, like, I was like, I felt, I felt welcome. Yeah. And I felt like I was a part of it. And that's what I find. And that's one of the things I love so much about Google, especially through the Women Tech Makers program, is that they're starting th these initiatives and really care about that. Yeah. And they get the details right. And I felt the exact same way at IO last year. Like this, I've, I was like blown away when I walked into the restroom and there's this whole setup. And I was like, that's amazing that somebody <laughs> took the time and effort to do that. And I guarantee that every woman that saw that felt exactly the same way. But they do, they really get the details right and they care about it. I was going to ask you about that because I'm sure that hopefully not too many, but there'd be a few of our listeners who are, who are kind of sitting there wondering, like, why do we need to encourage women to get into tech? And why is it different to a guy? And I mean, I can only speak about the guy's perspective on that, which is generally when I turn up somewhere to a conference or an interview, you know, I'm a, I'm a white male. Like I, I sit down and no one has any sort of pre-assumptions about, you know, am I good at something, am I not? They just look at me on my merits. You know, they're like, okay, he's a white guy. That's, you know, I, I guess some people will be like, okay, no, nothing else to think about there. Let's look at his, you know, credentials and everything else. And, and I guess let's I'd be interested... Let's judge him for being Australian. <laughs> yeah, let's judge him for his accent because that's weird. <laughs> but how, how is it, I, I guess, how is it different being a woman in tech and why, I guess, why are these things important to, to you know, encourage these sort of initiatives? Well, so here's an interesting point. I, um... I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way toward this. So I find that often I will get comments, emails, this kind of thing about like, um, oh, you're doing this wrong or you didn't do this right or this is not the way you do this. And it started to happen often enough that I was like, well, now, wait a minute. Am I missing something? Am I not? You know, do I need to investigate this? Uh, so I reached out to a friend who is a male designer that I trust very much, and I said, can I ask you a weird question, right? Like, I'm getting all these comments, and so what do you do when you get these comments? And he was like, I don't get those comments. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so hold on. And And so also let me be clear that if I post work, right, people don't have to like it, and that's fine, And and, and this is not about, like, I don't like that illustration. This is about something a little more, um, I guess, sort of systematic and problematic, if that makes sense. Um, so I find that, like, I will get feedback and comments that my male counterparts might not get. And that is, that's not good, right? Like, we, we don't want that. Like, just because I'm a woman, don't assume that I'm not doing something correctly. And yet I find that that happens. And if that's with illustrations, I can't imagine what happens to women that are like, oh, I'm a, you know, database architect, and I built this back end system, like, good Lord, I drew an elephant. And people were like, <laughs> I don't know if you did that right. You know what I mean? So like, this is something I think that needs to be addressed. And certainly, it's good to be critical of work and have a discussion and, you know, be able to defend the choices that you've made in creating something. But um, again, I think this is why it's good to have this conversation and why it's nice to be in a space that it's all women and you don't have to feel like, oh, geez, you know, if I say something, I'm going to have to really defend that with a bunch of valid knowledge. And if I'll, you know, if I don't, then somebody's going to say, like, you don't know what you're talking about. And it's, 
you know. I know, like for me personally, like I've, I've been in IT now for 15 years and I've sat in some meetings with, you know, some female colleagues and they'll be in charge of, say, the database or something and I'll be in charge of something else and people will be directing questions to me and I'll be like, well, why are you asking me? Like, I didn't work on that. Like my, my colleague here worked on that. And I think sometimes people just don't notice those things. You know, if you go through your life as, as I guess, a guy, sometimes you don't even see that. You don't, you don't notice it. You just assume that, no, oh, people ask me questions, like I'll answer the questions. Like, I think it's good to be, to be aware of some of that stuff. Yeah, and props to you guys for noticing that. I liked you anyway, but now I really like you, so <laughs> thank you. And I'll, and I'll take it one step further. Like it's not just even necessarily in work. Like I um, bought a new car last year. And I actually know a little bit more about cars than my husband, and so I wanted a Jeep, and I wanted this year, and this model, and this engine, and these specifications, and every dealership that we went to, I would we would go in and I would say, this is what I'm looking for, this is the price range, this is the model, et cetera, et cetera. And every single time, they would look at him and say, well, what does she want? Like I wasn't even standing there. And eventually I bought the Jeep off of the one dealership that we went to that the guy was like, oh, hey, you did your homework. Let's talk about why you made those choices. And I'm like, finally, I'm standing right here. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, it's not just, you know, in the tech space. It it goes uh, further than that sometimes. I have been known to, when we were getting our air conditioning fix and we were getting a lot of quotes from people, I had that same experience where the person wasn't talking to me and was talking to my husband. Guess what? We went with a company that actually acknowledged me, okay? so Exactly. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> exactly. And I actually um, saw a great quote from Aziz Ansari, the comedian, who said, um, Literally ask any woman that you know about bad experiences that she's had at her job with somebody saying something to her, doing something, and he said, just listen. Just listen to the stories that they tell you, and you will be blown away by the things that have happened that you didn't even know about because we sort of internalize it, I think. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, like, moving on, you know, but... Yeah, and one one of the things, I'm only speaking for myself, but... um, the sort of arguments that you brought up, they're arguments that I've certainly had experience with in a lot of the teams that I've had to work with and in uh, like other projects that I've worked with where you just identify where I identify someone as someone who is challenging me on my knowledge and I have to, okay, do they not understand or is this a personal issue? And then you have to go through that entire sequence before uh, sometimes you get to the end point, which is okay. This person is a total idiot, so I'm gonna have to for the for the for the sake of this project, I'm gonna either have to read them read them the rules or talk to the other members of the team about how we deal with this problem. But the 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 insight that I had, and that was only like six or seven years ago, was that all this time I never it would never have occurred to me that the reason why they're not respecting my views and they're double guessing me isn't because I'm a white guy. Because I'm a white guy, you're he's he's prone to think that there's nothing about my skin color or my gender that means I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to this project. And that was I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I, I had ever denigrated women for saying, well, geez, you know, I have these arguments too. I don't know why this is just a universal experience. It did take a little bit extra age and wisdom to appreciate that. Yeah, there you again. I've lived as a guy all my life. I've lived as a white guy all my life. You have to appreciate that. If you had other people identify uh, interacting with you as though you were a different gender or not a white guy, you would realize that there's more to it than your own personal experiences. 
Right. And I think that's a valid point. Like people, you, it's hard to um, appreciate someone else's experience if you don't have like an honest conversation about it. Right. And, and I think that yeah. um, um, people lose sight of that and it doesn't have to be like, this is an argument or, you know, listen to this. It's just simply having a conversation and saying like, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. And, and, you know, I, I think it can be that simple. And I also, yeah. um, I was so happy to see like my Twitter feed today. Again, like you guys brought up <laughs> earlier, like it was, I, I saw one sort of negative tweet and I was like, uh, okay, but let's <laughs> hold out hope that it's going to get better. And it really did. And it was just lovely. And I was so excited that I saw like a ton of men that I know and have a ton of respect for saying like, you know, yeah, it's International Women's Day and check out these awesome Android developers I know. And, and I was like, that makes me so happy to see. Like, I, I just wanted to screenshot everything and like print it out and frame it for like, you know, it, it, it was just awesome to see. It made me so happy. Yeah, I think I have a new, hol- a new favorite holiday. Right. <laughs> Honestly, I agree Interna- with that. International, everyone agrees to tone down the jerk dial a little <laughs> yes. bit yes. for one day. Yes. I'm like, people are day. really nice. I love this. The internet's fun I'm again. I'm having warm fuzzies and I like it. It's great. You, you guys have any other questions before we, we wrap it up or... Yes, one, one really important one. Yes. Uh, Yasmin mentioned that you had a BB-8 watch face, and I looked all over the app store for it, and I could not find oh, it. Oh, yeah. So, um... <laughs> as, 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 soon, as soon as she said those words, I'm like, there's nothing in this world I want now so much as a BB-8 watch face. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can work that out. So what happened with that watch face is that uh, I was super excited. I'm the biggest Star Wars nerd ever, and I was like, we need to do this. So we did it. I was very excited Android Central was actually nice enough to write an article about it. And then the very next day, we got um, a very upset email from a certain company that was like, yeah, you're not going to do this. And then it was (laughs) gone from the Play Store, never to return. And um, I was very sad about that. And it was free. It's like, I'm just trying to bring the (laughs) droid to everybody's watch. Come on. But they were not having it. So. I was able to, I had it on my watch um, for a while and I can't tell you how happy that watch face made my daughter. I can't tell you how happy like all the watch faces you make, make my daughter. My daughter's like, oh, what do you have on your wrist today? Ooh, elephant. Like, oh, that's that cute. makes me so happy. Thanks <laughs> she, for sharing that. She, she loves the BB-8 one because the BB-8, you could uh, tap on it and it would it would move or move its head or something, something right? Yeah, it, or, had it would a, do the hearts. It did the it, heart. It had a yeah. heart and it had binary stuff and then it would just sort of like dance around. Um, <laughs> I'm so cute. I feel like we can probably locate an APK file, so we'll work that out. How long have you been writing watch faces? I was, again, I was, I was looking through your Twitter feed, and you were screenshotting like your progress and how happy you were oh, to get like the correct time so in the simulator. Actually, my husband uh, has a degree in computer science. He's a developer. He learned Android, so he's the one that does the very technical parts, and typically I would just make them look good. But what happened is that I knew all these women that were super talented developers that had started drawing. And so I thought, well, if they can go from developing to drawing, maybe I can try my hand at going from drawing to developing. So I took a Udacity course on beginning um, development for Android, and uh, it was awesome. And then I sat down and started working on the watch faces, and now it's like a Frankenstein of half-finished watch faces all over the place, (laughs) but it's great fun, and I love doing it. So um, that's been like 
two weeks that I've been breaking stuff. So yeah, it's fun though. I like it. It's my goal is to learn like, I'm going to learn project oriented or object oriented programming. Thank you. I should say that correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I always have fun as as well. Sometimes I sit down with our designer and uh, try and use some of the tools he uses and he just watches me. He sits there beside me and he's like, just move it that way. And I'm like, do I click here? Do I like, like, what's happening? Right, that's so good though. I have a whole new appreciation for developers. Before I just took it for granted that like I was going to design it and make it look good and somebody else was going to make it work. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, like, wow, I did not have enough respect for you guys. And that has completely changed. I'm sorry I took you for granted. Oh, it definitely goes both ways. If, if, if you ever wonder like, oh, that person's jobs must be easy, just sit, sit behind them for half an hour and just ask them about some of the stuff they do. And you'd be amazed. Like, doesn't matter if they're developers or designers, you know, some of the things that go on, you're like, whoa, how did, how did you do that? Like, teach me how to do that. That's amazing. You're reminding me of a project that I was on uh, a, a long time ago where I had a f- uh, I'm a terrible keyboard player but a good programmer and I have a friend who's a terrible programmer but a really good keyboard player and so we decided that between the two of us we should be able to write an app that will at least solve some See, of your band's problems. There you problems. go. That's good. And, you got to make friends with the people yeah. that like fill in the gaps. Like yep. and, I, and, I, and I'm a slightly better keyboard player and he's a much better programmer which <laughs> angers me because it was supposed to be a 50-50 thing I thought. See, it didn't work out that way. Well I think everyone's tired of me now because I'm taking this class so I'm like texting people every five minutes and I'm like, I concatenated a string. And they're like, <laughs> I'm like, I wrote a method. I've declared a variable. And they're like, all right, settle down there, crazy. And like mass text messages going out with like way too much frequency because I was like, I am the smartest person ever. <laughs> I remember those days where you get something to compile and you're like, I have beaten the compiler after two hours of struggle. Take that compiler. Right. Then two seconds later, I break it, and I'm like, oh, that was short-lived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome to the life of uh, programming. See, that's so what go. I hear. So I'm on, I'm on track. So you're on track. I like so that. You're doing good. I like that. Virginia, we want to thank you so much for uh, sharing what it was like to be a part of Women Tech Makers uh, 16 for International Women's Day. Um, thanks so much for taking the time and talking to us. We hope to chat with you again in the near future. That'd be super awesome. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to meet you guys. So that, so this uh, so today for International Women's Day, Google did a really awesome initiative where they did one day I will hashtag. And so I would love to know yours, Virginia. I would want to know what is your one day I will? What will you do in one day? Um, be able to design and build everything myself, which will lead me on a path to world domination through doodling. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to aim really high with that one. I don't think Google would share that. They'll be like, settle down. No, I, they, they'd encourage you. So thanks so much for, for sharing your one day I will. And when you achieve and it, uh, remember that the three of us were real nice to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, for one, welcome our new uh, Virginia overlord. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. It's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Wow. That was awesome. In fact, so awesome that we thought we'd reach out on Twitter and ask some of our listeners for some of their One Day I Wills. So here's just a small sample of them. One day I will be a VP of engineering. One day I will transfer my one and only VHS tape to DVD. One day I will develop an app. One day I will be a scientist. 
and and I was studying leaves and flowers and stuff like that. And touching on one of the subjects that Virginia uh, spoke about, and she mentioned the uh, being at a women tech makers conference is being surrounded by people that are really supportive, and there's no no people interrupting or kind of no egos and egos, and everyone is in there just waiting to listen to like what everyone has to say, which is very interesting because Google went out to search in its quest to build the perfect team. And they said that one of the things that they found is that the perfect team is one that is safe to take risks and share a range of ideas without the fear of being humiliated. And I find that so, so amazing because it is, if you are not afraid of failing and your team allows you to do that, you're probably going to throw some ideas out there that, hey, some of them might be great, some of them may not be but you're not afraid to take that chance. And I was, as I was reading this article and I was like kind of seeing a lot of the, how Twitter was reacting to it. And someone said, this is why we need diverse teams. When you are the only blank, it is harder to take risks because you already feel judged. And I think it's something so evident uh, being a woman in tech is you're already coming into a team. You might be one of the only women on the team. So you're already going to feel like you're, you're, you know, maybe going to be judged and maybe not taken not held to the same respect that some of your other colleagues are. And if we create more diverse teams, we kind of follow that. What Google is saying is giving people the ability to, to, to speak out in fear, fear to speak out of fear, <laughs> speak out without fear that they're going to be humiliated. Yeah. I've, I, I was waiting for you to pause because how ironic if I were interrupting you <laughs> <laughs> while talking about this conference. But yeah, there was a, a New York Times actually had a really long article about this that was really great to read from start to finish. They actually called it Project Aristotle because they were they were kind of fascinated by why do some of our internal teams work really really well and get lots of things done and why why are some teams like less effective and they started thinking about well maybe it's because some of the the, the are, are more of the people on the successful teams more educated are they more ambitious are they uh more what kind of thinkers are they they looked at factors like well do they hang out together socially outside the group and they found out that really none of that was as important as everybody gets to talk during the team uh, they said that uh, on some teams, everyone spoke during each task. On others, leadership shifted amongst teammates from assignment to assignment. But in each case, by the end of the day, everyone on each of these successful teams had spoken roughly the same amount. And here's a quote uh, from the from the person who did the study or the woman who did the study. As long as everyone got a chance to talk, the team did well. But if only one person or a small group spoke all the time, the collective intelligence declined. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And I guess it, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. If there's one person dominating the conversation, then you've only really got their point of view. And everyone else, if they're starting to feel left out or they, they feel unvalued, they're going to be a lot less likely to actually contribute their thoughts. And I think, you know, I've, I've worked in a lot of different teams and things like that. And often you get the best ideas, not when one person is formulating them, but when one put, person puts something forward and they're like, you know, this this could be a bit crazy, but, and they put forward their idea and someone else is like, you know, Based on what you just said, like what if we added X, Y, and Z and we put those two things together and then a third person in the team will be like, whoa, if we could get you know this, this, and this and put all this together and maybe take this bit out and that that whole sort of circular you know, evolution of an idea, that's, that's really powerful. And I find that if you're the only person speaking in the meeting or if you're working by yourself, you don't get the benefit of that. So all you've got to rely on is, is I guess, your own sort of background experience and the things you've seen. I, I even... Um, I saw another study where people were talking about even something as simple as whether you put your tomato sauce in the cupboard 
or the fridge actually makes a huge difference because it's this different life experience. You know, do you expect the tomato sauce to be here or do you expect it to be there? And something as simple as that can change the dynamics of a, you know, a group conversation. Do you f- do you put your paper towels and toilet paper over or under? <laughs> yeah, that's another favorite one of the internet. Because <laughs> yeah, oh, but, but we're, get we're, we're talking about unity, not diversity, <laughs> not, or not uh, ca- causing people to turn on each other. So never mind. I swear to God, when you came up with the tomato sauce thing, I was thinking, do we have like a, f- are, are, we, are we like sponsored by Blue Apron? Is this like a really great segue that's coming up? <laughs> and this week's show, no, it was, it was a serious study that said that you, you can, you, when you're looking for differences in the, the way people have been brought up and their life experiences and you put those people together in the room, because there have been a lot of studies about this, you know, how, how do group dynamics work? How do you get... Um, teams to work together because this is something companies are obsessed over you know as your company gets bigger and you get more and more people what can you optimize you know you're trying to optimize revenue and as an extension of that you're trying to optimize performance and you're trying to make your teams um, you know work the best I I also saw another um, interesting thing in here where they're talking about the average social sensitivity of a team and what they were saying is teams tend to be more effective when all the individual members of a team have some social sensitivity so they can recognize, oh, you know, Andy's feeling left out because, you know, he hasn't talked much or, you know, yes, me looks a bit dejected. You know, maybe something I said was was offensive or just these sort of social cues that you get from people and they found that teams that could read those social cues and I guess react to them performed a lot better than, than you know, teams that couldn't. Uh, empathy is a really important sort of thing because uh, not not everybody comes with the same social software that you might consider as a, as stock Android, so to speak, uh, stock human, let's say. Uh, and there there are a lot <laughs> of people, people that have install their own custom ROMs. Cyanogen <laughs> 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 human uh, five point eight. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you just because you if you uh, if you grew up, for instance, in a large family where you do not get heard unless you. Speak you do, if you wait for someone to ask for your opinion, you will never offer your opinion. So you have to simply jump in when things when when it's time to to when you have something to say. But then if you have if if the other people on the team are like single children and they're used to well, I never have to whatever I say is going to be listened to. If someone else is talking, I will wait for them to talk. And then you have to have that level of empathy when you if you don't have that little. A counter running in your head saying that, well, I've talked about this and I've shared what I want to say. And now, oh, who hasn't contributed yet? And oh, how, what can I? And also the sensitivity to say, well, Doug, you haven't said anything yet. Why don't you tell us what you think about this project? As opposed don't do to that. Don't what, do that. as opposed to what do you think, Doug? You're, yeah. you're, you, 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 you did, you did, you worked, you worked on our database stack last year. What do you think? How do you think this, that's going to work? Yeah, and it's also uh, pausing and maybe even giving someone else to step step in and just kind of share their thoughts. And there's also people that are that are very much like the thinkers that are like, I need to I need to think about this before I just jump in and say any ideas in those board meetings and allowing those teams to kind of express themselves in the way. Um, so it was very interesting to, to hear that. And they also again mentioned that it was the group that socialized the more the most so they actually when they met in meetings they talked about their families or things that they were doing so they were actually building like these relationships and cultures were actually more effective than the teams that just went in there got to their tasks that needed to get done and then walked out and kind of did that um and so it's uh as someone that is used to talking a whole lot like in school it's always like oh yes means you know the the talkative one i appreciate that because like see I am, you know, building good stuff here. 
<laughs> but I think it is important to kind of have that culture and have uh, people feel welcome and, and included and being able to participate in stuff. So it was a very, very good um, article to read. It's uh, something that we even shared among the office. We're like, hey, look, check this out. Like, what is that? You know, and uh, I think it's important. And so if you are building a team, if you're in the if you own your own company or you're a part of team, you definitely should go read it because I think you're going to learn a lot. And I hope that you'll take that to heart. Yeah, and I mean, it, I got something out of it as well. I, I find I have the tendency because I've been doing this for a while and I, I like talking as well that sometimes I'll realize after a meeting, you know, you kind of dominated that meeting, Russell. Like you talked way too much. You didn't let enough people in. So the next time I go to a meeting, I'm going to have to like try and just hold back just a little bit. Let people like finish all their sentences. Just allow there to be pauses. You know, it's it's all good. Yeah. We've, we've mentioned the, the, the Slack back channel that we're exchanging like notes on each other as we're talking. And one of every six things that I type in there is, okay, Andy, shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He even does the hand motions where he just like puts his mouth like over his face, like I'm done talking. And like, and, the, and he totally, and he did this, in, he shared about this in the other podcast he did, where he's like, when he is trying to let Russell or I speak, he really takes a step back from his chair to really like signify like, all right, I'm going to. I'm probably like itching to like say something, but I am so going to let you do this. So it's really fun to see. Uh, yeah. So we definitely are going to do a Google Hangout sometime in the future. I don't know. We'll, we'll do it. We will do you'll it. Get to um, see, you'll, you'll get to see. You'll get to see this. You'll get to see right behind. We'll pull back the curtain on the glitter factory for all of you. <laughs> and so it's really fun. We want to thank everyone for listening. Andy, where can people stay connected with you? As usual, the price of admission on the Andy Notko Wonderland of facts, figures, made-up stuff, and jokes is to spell my last name. If you uh, hit me on uh, Twitter, I'm Anatko, I-H-N as in Nancy, A-T as in Tom, K-O, uh, or go to anatko.com, which is my blog and stuff. And Russell, where can people find you? Uh, Rusty Shelf on Twitter is probably the best place to go. And I'm at Yasmin Avian on Twitter. You could find us at, at Material Podcast. And on Twitter and also on the web at relay.fm forward slash material. You could send us any feedback that you have at materialpodcast at gmail.com. And also, we forgot to ask Virginia this, but she is also on Twitter at vpoltrack. And I'll definitely have her Twitter in the show notes so you can check out all the awesome watch faces and stuff that she's doing. And so we want to thank everyone for listening. Until next time, stay in material. And also go get a material shirt so you can actually yep. stay in material. Go to stay in material. Put the shirt on your, your body. That sounds weird. Put the shirt on and uh, wear the material. What? Do you, do you like this uh, this recorder? Does it look funny? Yeah. What does it look like? <laughs> a guy looks like Russell's... Um, um, Koala. <laughs> it does. What's uh, Russell's koala's name? Beautiful. Yeah, he lives in the, his backyard, huh? Yeah. Did you know that he came knocking in his front door the other day? No. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I want to come inside and cuddle. <laughs>